we had an opportunity last week to uh, gather at the Sandlands and uh, celebrate the work that is going on there in northern Ghana where um, enjoyed a, uh, a Ghanaian meal uh, of sorts and uh, it was good uh, but our time together was good and reflecting upon that um, just hopeful uh, that those of you who were able to be there were encouraged uh, by it. Um, my heart has been through our communications regarding missions is that the Lord would call uh, men and women uh, out of this church body uh, and send them away from here to other places um, that uh, they would preach the gospel and teach the gospel uh, in remote places and in hard places and that remains my prayer and so even now as we give consideration to praying for Isaiah he's uh, dear brother in Christ he's been struggling physically so Again, as we have uh, relayed to you, um, this is a work in him physically. Uh, as you know, it is hard at times to give consideration about going to harder places than you're already in when you don't feel well physically. Uh, but God has worked this in his heart uh, to give consideration to going to one do. And uh, it has been our prayer through the course of this month uh, that God would strengthen him physically, but more than that, uh, would make clear to him in his own heart and mind as to what he'll do. Uh, we are hopeful, again, that he will, um, but at the same time, we're resting uh, in the will of God for, for him and uh, trusting uh, in that. If you have your copies of Scripture, if you will, turn to First Peter, and uh, we're going to give attention to a text here in just a few minutes, beginning in verse 22 of chapter 1, so 1 Peter 1, 22, uh, and you'll see today that our text uh, uh, goes through chapter 2 and verse 3. Uh, do want to make mention again uh, that our uh, members meeting is this afternoon at 4 o'clock. Uh, and this, uh, we're going to start promptly at 4 just because we want to deal well with our time uh, so I want to encourage you as you come, come a little bit early uh, so that we don't have to repeat things uh, as we begin. Uh, that way we can get started and we can work through the things that we need to work through. And we want to invite you, all of you, if you are not a member of OVC, we want to invite you, uh, if you have interest in the things that we have been discussing about uh, uh, possibly finding uh uh, finding ourselves meeting in another location, we'd invite you to come in here. Uh, uh, we, uh, uh, in fact, we would love to share with you part of that vision and let you hear about how God has worked because there's tremendous testimony uh, in everything that has happened that has led up to this. Uh, and if for no other reason but just to come and say, hey, I want to hear about what God has done here because it's incredible. It really is. And uh, so we're looking forward uh, to our time together this afternoon uh, at 4 o'clock. Now, uh, I received a new nickname this week, and that's Caveat King, because I will say all of these things to uh, various caveats to get ready to tell or say what I'm going to say. I, I want to share this with you. And if I get emotional, just, just look past that, okay? Okay. Um, 
shepherding people uh, is an incredible responsibility. It is. Uh, caring for them, caring for their souls, caring for them physically, uh, desiring those that you're shepherding to grow in Christ um, uh, is, is weighty, uh, it's rich, uh, it's just incredible. Um, and there are things that a shepherd wants for his sheep in the same way that a father wants for his children. There are those things and sometimes they are Sometimes they're hard things, really hard things. Uh, and we see them developing slowly at times. Um, and we're dealing with a text today that has just been incredibly close to me in my heart because of, because of me and my own sin in my life. And, uh, but I want us to look at the text today and hear it. We didn't select this text we're preaching through 1 Peter, and we get here and we have the privilege of landing on something uh, that all of us need to encompass uh, in various ways. Um, the other thing that I want to share is this, is that being a shepherd uh, in, uh, a, in, a, in a smaller church community, uh, and I have pastored, and you know that coming out of Scotts Hill, pastored in larger church settings where you know very little about people. But when we're here in a small community, we know a whole lot about each other. And we love each other. So in this, and when we're dealing with text, we don't have the picture of somebody in our mind. We have our entire body in mind but it may prick us and it may point us and it may prod us uh, as this text does me because of my own sin and struggles. Uh, and I just want us to hear this in the context and, and, uh, and, and that's the caveat, okay? Let's read the text together. Understand that we're still talking about holiness here. We looked at the command last week to be holy. We reviewed that again just a moment ago in our confession. So we still, Peter still has this in mind, and it and it's just it has blown my mind to hear what comes right after he speaks about holiness and obedience. Let's hear it together. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. And then he looks back to Isaiah 40 and says this, and this is interesting, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is good news that was preached to you. This is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. 
like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray together. Father, our prayer is today that those who have tasted that the Lord is good, that we would cast our eyes upon your goodness and as we sang earlier, put away everything in our life and look to you because you're good. That we would hear your word is good. That your word working in us, Father, would reflect its goodness. And then, Father, if we're here today and, and, and we have not yet cast our eyes on you, we don't know how good you are. Would you show us today? Would you show the man or woman, or boy or girl, that you are without question the supreme good in all of life and all of eternity? And Father, would you awaken our hearts? And that even as we sung earlier, that at the cross, at the cross, I first saw the light. Father, would you cause that man, woman, boy or girl to see your goodness in Christ on the cross, bearing the pain and suffering of your wrath that they deserved and that we deserve. In Christ's name, amen. I want you to write down, if you want to take notes and kind of follow along, I want you to write down uh, kind of two columns. There'll be one word on the right-hand column, uh, and there'll be four words on the left-hand column. So left-hand column, I'll give this to you. Holiness, obedience, relationship, and if you want to put out beside relationship, permanent. And then God's Word. And you want to put out beside it, permanent. So, left-hand column, four words, holiness, obedience, relationship, and God's Word. Two words, but God's Word. And then out beside relationship and God's Word, you may want to write permanent. That's the left-hand column. Right-hand column, one word, love. Right-hand column, one word, love. What I want to try to do, which I believe Peter does, is to help us see the relationship between holiness, obedience, and God's Word. Holiness, obedience, relationship, in God's Word, the relationship between that, them, and love. And before we do that, I want to back, back up to John chapter 13. So I want to ask you if you will turn there. Many of you already know where we're going. But it would, it would serve us well to hear this. And remember 
that when Jesus speaks these words, He's speaking these words, and who is it that is in His presence? Peter. Not just Peter, but Peter's there. Peter's there. Verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. He's given this command. And already we are hearing this as something that is impossible. Okay? in, In our minds, we're saying this is impossible. And then the next thing he says... By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Okay? Now, I want us to see that in relation to being sovereignly called strangers scattered and suffering. We, we don't, don't lose sight of that That structure, because that's what Peter's talking about. He's talking about those who are sovereignly called, sovereignly saved by God, those who are strangers in this world that have been scattered in various parts of it and who are suffering, some for the sake of the gospel, some under persecution, some who will be, but they are working through all these struggles that we deal with and we struggle through in life. That's the reason we looked at the 73rd Psalm this morning. That's the reason that we sang the songs that we sang. And all the way through the course of that, we're pointing back to all these hardships, all these challenges, and all of these difficulties. And Jesus said to His disciples, one of the last things is that there is a new commandment and... You are to love one another as I have loved you. And by this, the world will know that you are my disciples. Now, just so we don't miss this, look back down in chapter 2 of 1 Peter. We're going to deal with this text next week, but I want us to hear it Verse 9, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. That proclamation is in word. That proclamation also comes in our reflection of that word in us. Okay? So I want you to hold that. And now let's look at the text. Back in verse 22, chapter 1, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for what? For a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So what is it that is being driven here? Peter is helping them to understand that in their context as the body of Christ, as believers, that there is already in them a supernatural work that has transformed and is transforming their heart toward 
a love that is like the love that Christ loved His disciples with. Like a love that God loves us with. And He couches that in two different ways. First He says, He says, a sincere brotherly love. What is He pointing to? Well, the word that He used there comes out of uh, the, uh, uh, the kind of brotherly love. The... Uh, the uh, the word we get Philadelphia from, that kind of brotherly love. And what he's saying here is that there is in this context a brotherly love that is a supernatural work because of, number one, because of the abiding Word of God that is in us. We'll look at that in a moment. The abiding Word of God that is in us. But there is this depth of love. And he said, this is in the context of holiness. So there in relationship number one is that he's talking about holiness and our holiness can be, not, it's not the only way, but our holiness can be and is in fact measured by the way we love each other. There's a challenge and struggle with that for us is because of our lack of understanding at times of what love is. He's not talking about a warm, fuzzy relationship and friendship here. But what he's saying that there are challenges in the course of our sinfulness regarding the way that we love each other, but we are to love each other and continue to love each other and continue to pursue each other until those affections that should be there are there. In other words, we don't put barriers and fences around how we love. We don't determine that I'm only going to love in this way or I'm only going to love in that way or I'm only going to love this much. Peter's saying that this is a supernatural work of God in us where there is no prohibition. There's no prohibition. There's nothing that blocks and stops the work of the Spirit in us. And this isn't about feelings, but it is about pursuing one another. Each of us pursuing the other to love, to care for, to be there for. I want us to, I want us to catch that. This isn't one of these things where I say, I'm only going to love this much. Or I'm putting some kind of restriction on my relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. We can't do that, and here's the reason why. Notice that, our, that this is a work of the Spirit of God and the Word of God in us toward holiness, purifying us along the way. So when we begin to name out restrictions on our relationships with one another, we are pointedly then saying that I am no longer under the power of the Holy Spirit to work this in me. I'm restricting God. And in that, I'm restricting the purification that's take place. And we'll point back to that purification next week. But remember again in verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. And I'll just mention this now. What did the priest do? Well, the priest worked through a 
ritual and work through, and it was, it was what God had given them, instructions to purify themselves and to purify all those things in regards to their worship. Those things had to be cleansed and purified, and it was pointing to the very fact that now the temple of God, us, our souls, what he says, look at there, purify your souls. The temple of God, our souls, are purified, being purified by the Word of God. And as we are in and under the work and the power of the Word of God, this takes place in our lives. And how is it reflected? Because we are being obedient to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. So there are no there, there are no restrictions we can put on our relationships in the body of Christ. Okay? There are no restrictions. No fences are being built up. The second thing that he says there, look at this. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Now he is not talking about brotherly love. He is talking about the love of God and the root there is, is the word agape. That, that, that covenant love. That rich covenant love. He shifts there and now he says, love one another earnestly. How? From where? Well, from a pure heart. You say, well, our hearts aren't pure. Well, Peter is arguing that while our hearts are not completely pure yet, we are working through the purification process, the sanctifying process, which points us to the fact that we are going to long to love the way that God loves, and we are going to pursue that. Notice that this is being placed as part of the command and under, if you will, the umbrella of holiness. And we know that because when we get to verse 23, we see the connection here. Since we do this, since you have been born again. And he helps us understand the nature of that because the next thing he says is not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. In other words, it is the seed of the gospel, the seed of the word of God, which is pure, which is holy, because it is God's word that has awakened our hearts. The spirit of God, the word of God has come together to awaken our hearts that we may be born again. So if we're here today and we are a believer, and you may be here as a member of OVC and part of the church family, but even beyond that, if you're here today and you are a believer, you are so because you have been born again. There is a supernatural work, as Jesus told Nicodemus, there's a supernatural work that takes place in the heart that does for you what you cannot and could never have done on your own. And that is not restricted. That is an unrestricted work to make us alive again. Now I want you to see the two things here that's so important. While we may claim that life, we may at times reject that love. In other words, there is the work of God's Word in us in bringing about that life and sanctifying us on to life. 
And then there is the same work and the same purpose in that in bringing about the very character and nature of God which I would almost guarantee you that if you were asked today, tell me something about, if I were to ask you, tell me something about what you know about the nature and the character of God, somewhere within the first five words that you would use to characterize God, you would most definitely say that He is a God of what? He's a God of love. So in that being true, with His Word in us, being born again, and the Spirit of God in us bringing about that life, it would necessarily mean at that point it is hard to claim that life and reject the character and nature of God and that love. And that's the reason that Jesus told His disciples, He said, I'm giving you this new command. You said, well, He's commanding them to do something that they can't do. He's commanding them to do the very thing that they will be able to do because He is going to put His Spirit in them. And we know that's true because if you remember, the very next things that He says in chapter 14 are things that point to the work of the Spirit of God in relation to the Word of God in the hearts and lives of those who are born again. You see how serious this is? You see how heavy it is? We can't pass this off because, and we're thinking, I don't know if you've thought about this in the context, why would this be so important? Why would this be so important when he's talking to those who are scattered and who are strangers and who are suffering, sovereignly so, in all cases? Why would this be important? It is important because they needed to be recognized under whatever circumstances that they faced. That their character and nature was consistent with the character and nature of God. Why? So that they could proclaim His excellencies in proclamation and in reflection. Notice what he says. Since you have been born again. There's this family relationship that is being tied here. Okay? And, and I'm saying that that relationship is a permanent relationship because it is a relationship that has come through the permanent Word of God. Look at what he has to say there. He says, through the living and abiding Word of God. And we know Hebrews tells us that the Word of God is living and active. It means that it's alive, it brings life. It exposes sin and death. All of those things. So this is a living and abiding Word of God. And Peter's point that he's going to make here is that it doesn't go away. It's permanent. We are not permanent in that sense, but our relationship, and he's helping us see this, our relationship is permanent. So as brothers in Christ, our relationship is permanent. It's permanent because it comes 
through and by the living and abiding Word of God and that work through the living Word of God in Christ and this Word that now helps us see and know life and understand life and the character of God. And in that context, we can't put up barriers in our relationships. We can't do that. We can't let things divide what can't be divided based upon the blood of Christ and His work. We can't do that. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 40 because this was, it, it was very much, and, and, and the Holy Spirit led Peter to draw from this text. It's a great word of encouragement. Isaiah 40 is a great word of encouragement and comfort because who was Isaiah writing to? Well, he was writing to an exiled people. It was exiled because of their sin, but he was writing to an exiled people, and he's trying to help them to understand and be comforted in the midst of all of this. And we see that because in chapter 40 and verse 1, what do we hear? Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. They're broken, they're hurt. Comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight and desert uh, a highway for our God, and then notice what he says. He goes on and he begins to unveil all of this. And then when he gets to verse 7, he says, or verse 6, he says, a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But what? But the word of our God will stand forever. What's he talking about? The word of hope. The word of hope. The word of hope that is only known in the context of the covenant and the based and built upon the covenant love that God had for his people. And isn't it interesting that when he begins to talk about the purifying work of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in the life of those of us who were sovereignly called, strangers, scattered, and, and, and sovereignly called to suffering, isn't it interesting that when he talks about holiness that the first thing that he drops his finger on is the way in which we love each other. It's huge. So we see a relationship between holiness, our obedience, our permanence in relationship, and the permanence of God's Word. And what does Peter say about it? Well, notice what he says. And this Word is the good news that was preached to you. So the good news that came to us, and if you will back back up there in 
back back up there in chapter 1, verse 10. Let's run through this again real quick, okay? Concerning this salvation, notice what he says. The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. So in other words, they were looking at the grace that was to be ours. And what Peter is pointing to is that that is a grace that they were being able to see pointing ahead to us, which was God's grace toward us even through them. Then notice what he says, that was to be yours, they searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicated when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. In other words, we, when we were there, we said the suffering came before the glory. All right? It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached. So God's grace toward us in the preaching of His Word that has come to us. To you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. Again, even pointing there that there is a work of God's grace in letting the angels see His, the unfolding of His redemptive work. The point is, is back over there in, in verse 25 of chapter 1, and this word, all of this couched and gathered in the context now, in the context of this love of this love from God to us to change our hearts and transform our hearts that we would love each other in this way. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So again, we can't separate the life and the love. And now he puts some practical, some practical steps to this. Notice what he says in verse 1 of chapter 2. Since this is true, the gospel has been at work in you and your heart has been transformed, as it relates now, and he's backing back up to this sincere brotherly love and love for one another earnestly from a pure heart, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. What is he doing? He's driving home this point. What is it, malice? Well, there's the positive side of that and the negative side. In other words, there's a, there's a way you get to it. There's, there, there's the, the positive side of malice, and I say positive. This is, this is what we do in malice. We seek to harm. We seek to tear down. When we, when we, when we refuse, and, 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 the, and the negative way to talk about malice is that we withhold from we withhold the good there's malice involved in withholding the good that should be coming to us from us through us by the power of God's word and his work in our lives and all deceit in other words the way that we try to slip around each other at times in the course of our relationships and what else? And all hypocrisy because we've already heard that we are to do what? We are to have a sincere brotherly love. One that is true, based upon the truth of God's Word. Based upon the truth of the character of God. 
and envy. You know, envy is actually the opposite of being thankful for. Our love for each other in the body of Christ as brothers and sisters in Christ should be driven out of being genuinely thankful for each other. Seeking what is good and best and right. Upholding, building up, praying for, encouraging, walking alongside of. And then notice what he says, and, and no envy and all slander, but then notice what he, how he connects this again back to our sanctification. Like newborn infants. I don't think Peter is calling the people that he's writing to babies. That's not, that's not the point. He, he's making, this is an analogy here. He said, like newborn babies long for the pure spiritual milk. In other words, uh, when a baby's born, a baby wants what? A baby wants milk. Babies want his or her mother's milk. That's, that's what babies want. That's what babies need. That's what they desire. They long for it. And we know that. They cry to get it. They'll be restless to get it. They have to have it. Well, he, what he's pointing to us is saying, this living and abiding Word of God and its work and the work that it does in us is pure spiritual milk and from it we grow into salvation. We can't do that if we are putting barriers around ourselves and around one another. We can't do that. And what he's saying is, is that this is a reflection of when this is taking place in our life, when we are longing for God's Word, we are longing for this abiding Word of God, it reveals and reflects to us that we have seen and tasted the goodness of God. We have seen and tasted the goodness of God. Turn over to Psalm chapter 34. Look in verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. Now, I want you to hear this in the context of spiritual maturation, sanctification, growing in this. For those who fear Him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I want to ask you this question. It's a question I've asked myself. If I were to ask you of all the good things, you, you're here as a believer, if you've trusted Christ, if I would ask you of all the good things, when you look at God, what is the thing that you see most good about Him? And you may characterize it in the context of His holiness, and I, and I will not argue with you there. 
But when we begin to look at it from a personal standpoint, we would all run to the fact, man, He has loved me in my sin and in Christ has saved me. Because God demonstrated His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see the connections already with the things that we have said about God this morning? The things that we have sung about this morning? And what we find here when we come to this text? You say, Jimmy, why are you so passionate about this? Well, in my own life, I'm confessing that I have had brothers and sisters in Christ that I built fences around me to say that this, I, I, we're a brother in Christ, but. We're my sister in Christ, but. And when I was dealing with this text today, and some of the, and some of the ones that I'm talking about, you know, and I'm not going to call their names because I don't want to hash up things with me in my life and in my relationships with them. I've had to make those right. I've had to make those right. But what I'm saying is, is that this, I, I began to see, this is a reflection of my holiness and my moving toward this place of coming into the presence of Jesus. God's grace did not afford us to not love this way. In fact, everything about God's grace wrapped us up in this. And even Jesus said, and by this day we'll know that you are mine and I am yours. I want us to love that way here. I want us to love one another that way. I want us to love others that way. Because I can tell you, it doesn't make any difference where we meet. We can meet under a mango tree we can meet here in this building or we may wind up meeting in another building somewhere else at some point in time. If this doesn't exist in us, then the very thing that we said when we set out, we said we want to live distinctively and look different in this world, we will not reach people and will not make disciples. And that was the whole point that Peter was getting to. And I want us to be a people who make disciples. That's what this pastor longs for this body, for you individually, and for us as a whole. I'm going to use a phrase of a good friend of mine and my connect group leader. Brian will say at the end of a text, he said, that's all I have there. He's not saying that's all there is there. He's just saying that's all I have there. And I would say today, that's all I have there for today. But it's enough, isn't it? It's enough. It is enough. We're going to come to the table. 
And this table reflects that that is enough. Why? Because that whole table and all that it represents in the body that was given and the blood that was shed is shouting over and over and over again. I love you. Walk in this world knowing that I love you. Live in this world knowing that I love you. And live and walk in this world that others know that I love you and that you love me. By what? By loving one another with a sincere brotherly love. Being affectionate toward one another. Loving from a heart that is being purified by the abiding, permanent Word of God. We ask the deacon who's going to serve us today if he will come. And I'll make, make this statement. If you're here today and uh, you've trusted Christ, you've been baptized, uh, if you're in good standing with your church, uh, we want to invite you to come to the table today and remember and see the love that has been poured out by Christ for you and that has enabled you and enabled us to love one another as we ought to. Okay? There is an ought in this. As we ought to. Uh, you can come to the table, serve yourself, take your elements, uh, go back to your seat, and uh, we'll partake of them together uh, when everyone's had an opportunity to be served. Will you come?